Good evening. Welcome. My name is Peter Hine. I'm president of Sons of the Revolution in the state of New York, which owns and operates Francis Tavern Museum, where we are this evening. It's my pleasure to welcome all of you to this opening reception of our Francis Tavern Museum new special exhibit, Folk Crusader, George Washington in Comics and Popular Culture. I'd like to briefly acknowledge the officers and board members of our society who are present here tonight. Uh, first, uh, Robert McKay, past president and member of our Long Room Association Plan Giving Society. Ambrose Richardson, past president and co-chairman of our Museum and Art Committee. Frank Weaver, third vice president, co-chairman of our Museum and Art Committee and co-chairman of our Long Room Association Plant Giving Society. Craig, uh, welcome. Uh, Alan Borst, our treasurer. Scott Jeffrey, registrar. Mark Kopinski, chairman of our real estate committee. Tom Lofton, the chairman of our IT committee. And then Renee Witterstetter, a member of our Museum and Arts Committee who is the curator of tonight's exhibit. And you'll be hearing from Renee in just a few minutes. On this. It's truly an impressive exhibit. Uh, I was taken aback as I walked in and uh, I, I read all of the text and uh, knew what was gonna be here, but uh, to walk in and see it was really, uh, impressive. So Renee, thank you so much for what you've done. I'd also like to recognize the leaders of other societies who are here tonight. Debbie Kopinski, the regent of the Mary Washington Colonial Chapter of the National Society and Allison Parker who is the treasurer of that uh, <laughs> chapter. So <laughs> now it's my pleasure to introduce the executive director of Sons of the Revolution at the State of New York and his Francis Tavern Museum, Scott Dwyer, who is here dressed for the occasion. <laughs> Peter, um, you've given me the intro. I am modeling our, uh, <laughs> our exhibit, sorry, on camera, uh, exhibition uh, t-shirt uh, 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 designed uh, by one of our guest artists, uh, Michael Golden, um, that uh, is available at the gift shop for $25 and is all over your program. So please uh, enjoy. Thank you. Be more by me and our more by Thank you. Um, I'm going to speak to our virtual audience and our in-person audience, that's what we do now. Um, uh, Francis Tavern's uh, museum's mission is to preserve and interpret the history of the American Revolutionary Era through public education. Interpretation is key, especially tonight uh, for this exhibition, because uh, when Renee Witterstadter, uh, our curator, came to us about comics and the Revolutionary War, many people said, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but as this exhibition showcases, Revolutionary War figures, George Washington in particular, are all throughout these stories and completely relevant to our mission and this museum. 
Uh, history museums have to find fresh and new ways to talk about history, not only to engage new audiences, like the thousands of people descending on New York City for Comic-Con this week, uh, but also our community of supporters, uh, many of whom are here tonight, uh, to keep them coming back. Um, so thank you all for your support and for coming here tonight, if this is your first time in particular. Um, thank yous. Uh, general thank yous, and I did not mention either of these people during our exhibition opening in June, and I'm putting them first because they are first in my mind, but it was a chaotic night, so I'm saying this now. Um, my parents, uh, Debbie and Bill Dwyer, uh, who are here tonight, um, without whom I would not be who I am and be able to do what I do. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for everything. And uh, Peter Hein, uh, president of Sons of the Revolution, a sustaining sponsor for this exhibition and multiple other initiatives by this museum. Uh, Peter is a sustaining member of our organization. So thank you, Peter. Yeah. Uh, Frank Reaper, co-chair of the SRNY Museum and Art Committee, who championed this exhibition and bringing Renee to us and Renee Witterstetter. Um, for bringing this concept and seeing it through to what you see today. An amazing exhibition. Finally, I do want to thank uh, my fellow team members here at the museum directly responsible for transforming Renee's 2D vision into a 3D exhibition that you see here today. Um, Lisa Goulet, uh, Christian uh, Sutterwall, uh, Eric Sussman, Jessica Bryant, also, uh, Sarah Bishaw and Jack Campbell for getting our merchandise marketing messages out there. Again, merchandise available at the yeah. Thank you again for coming. Thank you for support. And uh, now I leave it to Renee to tell you all about the exhibition and who's here tonight. Thank you, Renee. Thank you all for being here. I'm going to have to look down and read my notes a little bit. So forgive me for that. Oh, since we're talking about pop culture, to quote one of my favorite pop culture icons, never tell me the odds. <laughs> <laughs> I felt that way about this labor of love, you know, this gallery show that we're here to see, Cloaked Crusader, George Washington in comics and pop culture, because for me, it really was and is a labor of love. Um, and like all things that are worth doing, for me, I don't usually think about why it can't be done. I usually try to find the way that it can be done. And that was what we did with this show. Um, mounting a gallery show from scratch in less than six months. <laughs> That's why I said that. It's like, sure, when we came up with the idea and the, and the museum accepted it, I said, sure, why not? We can do that. <laughs> And here we are. Um, but just like Han Solo, who had Chewy by his side, I did not do it alone. You know, there's lots of people in this room that helped me, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, recognize a few of them. All of this started last year when I attended the evacuation day dinner here at the tavern. Um, and I happened to be seated by a gentleman named Craig Weaver. And Craig and I struck up a conversation talking about the museum and what the goals were. And I walked into that room as someone who loved American history and I walked out of the room with an invitation to join the Museum and Arts Committee. <laughs> uh, and let me go to the next page, sorry about that. Um, so I thank you, Craig, for that leap of faith. 
And thanks to the whole committee for supporting my idea of combining two subjects I love, uh, the history of George Washington and also comic books, um, and entrusting me with this task. Um, after all, both of these things, if you think about it, are unique American um, icons, the American comic book and our first real superhero, George Washington. Uh, so, you know, you combine the two and, and we have our gallery show. Um, I also must ardently thank Peter Hein, who is the president of the Sons of the Revolution in the state of New York. And I'm told that I should add ink after that because Bob would like it. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of that, I must also thank Bob McKay, um, who is a past president of SRNY. And he, he provided invaluable assistance to me uh, with the script and um, just general, uh, you know, saying, yes, go, you can do this. Um, and of course, um, I owe a great debt of gratitude to Scott Dwyer, uh, who is the executive director of the museum and his amazing staff who took our vision and, and like he was saying, put it on the walls. And, um, you know, from my little scribbles on paper to uh, the, the designs that we did to them actually mounting the show, it, it was a process and it's something that could not have been done without them. So they do have my sincere gratitude. Uh, they took our mock-ups and ideas and made them the reality that we see today. Um, in attendance tonight, we are honored to have some true legends in the comic book industry as well. Um, and they are our special guests tonight. So I'd like to introduce a few of them. Um, if any of you picked up the, our brochure, which just arrived today, <laughs> um, Scott and I had a plan B to go out and like emergency print some, but we didn't have to do that. <laughs> but you'll notice that this beautiful piece of artwork on the cover is by Arthur Sudan, award-winning artist on Marvel Zombies, Deadpool, Black Panther, and Moon Knight. And, so much more that I, I can't name here. You see, you'll see this piece in the gallery show and the title of this piece is Through His Eyes. And it's a look at the American flag through different times in our history. And, and I, I truly love it. And we're very honored to have you here tonight, Arthur. <laughs> I'm also very honored to have um, someone that I have collaborated with for many, many years. I'm not going to tell you how many. Um, Michael Golden, former senior Woo! art director of Marvel Comics and creator of Rogue from the X-Men. He's poked Chris Crusader in our gallery show and also, of course, on Scott there. <laughs> <laughs> We also have one of the Batman covers out there as well, uh, which if you don't know why we have a whole Batman section, you have to go read the, the board. It'll explain it all. We're also very pleased to welcome another one of our featured artists who came all the way from Texas to be here tonight, Daniel Scott Jr. Daniel Scott Jr. like Daniel's piece, which is called Cloaked in Humanity, brings us fully into the pop culture age with a marvelous piece that is made entirely of candy wrappers. If you haven't seen it out there, we do have a video 
where you can see the creation of the piece from start to finish, you really must go look at it. It is it's truly amazing. So it's so gratifying to see so many of my friends um, from the comic book industry here tonight. Um, Jim Salicroft, legendary uh, Spider-Man editor, Rodney Ramos, a very well-known Marvel and DC artist, Catherine Schuler Grunewald, um, who we have known for many years and uh, carries on the legacy of Mark Grunewald, one of my mentors at Marvel Comics. And I have Dwight Zimmerman. I know I'm leaving some of you out and I do apologize. I'm getting to him. <laughs> so I thought I was going to forget Kenny. I could never forget Kenny. Um, Kenny Lopez provided me with invaluable assistance of uh, putting on this show. And I saved him for last because this show would not have been possible at all without Kenneth Lopez. <laughs> named and not named we are so happy you've joined us for this for this tonight um and now i can't read my handwriting um, so and now for the most important part yes i know i have terrible handwriting thanks for reminding me. um and now for the main event guys we are honored to have with us tonight as our speaker mr jim shooter renowned Chief for Marvel Comics, the driving force and founder behind Broadway Comics and Valiant Comics, among many, many more credits that I could say here. He's a prolific writer of such things as Secret Wars, which I suspect will be a movie soon, don't you? Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Shooter is indeed one of our foremost living experts on the history of Marvel Comics, and I dare say comics in general. Um, so, you know, I can't think of a more fitting person to have here tonight as we, as we present this journey through pop culture and introduce you to our, our first superhero, George Washington. So now I introduce you to Mr. Jim Shooter. Okay. All right. Um, first, uh, I'd like to thank you uh, all for being here. And uh, uh, thank you, Renee, for organizing this, putting together that incredible exhibit. And uh, uh, thank you to all the people associated with the Francis Tower. And the, you know who you are. <laughs> and uh, uh, and thanks, thanks for everyone for attending. Um, I'm a storyteller. I've been <clears throat> uh, in the storytelling business for a long time. Uh, and mostly my stories have been comics. But, uh, so you may wonder why I'm, I'm speaking here. Why me? Um, well, I can explain. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, uh, the, the daughters of the American... <clears throat> Daughters of the American Revolution sponsored an essay contest for junior high school students yeah. in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. You had to write about a founding father or mother. And uh, so I wrote about Daniel Boone, and I won the contest. 
Okay, now that, friends, so that obviously qualifies me as an expert on early American history. So naturally, she asked me to come, you know, and talk, right? And uh, so here we go. I'm going to tell the story. If any of you real experts out there, you, you can tell me later for a hit or wrong. Okay, but, but this is this is the best I could. Anyway, um, uh, most people know a lot about George Washington, uh, Valley Forge, first president, all that stuff. Uh, but uh, most people do not know as much about his early life. Um, so I'm going to set the scene here. By the mid 1700s, the British uh, had colonized uh, most of the eastern seaboard of what is now the United States. And the French had colonized uh, must, much of eastern uh, Canada. And they had uh, trading routes that uh, extended far to the west and, and some to the south. Uh, there was a great deal of conflict uh, between the French and the British, in particular, over a certain rich trading region called the Ohio country. Uh, that was the land between Lake Erie and the Ohio River. Um, and parts of that are now Ohio, the state of Ohio, and also Western Pennsylvania. Uh, okay, so there was a lot of contention over this territory. So a war started. Uh, the British refer to it as the French and Indian War. And so or we'll use the word Indian for the purposes of this discussion. Uh, all right. So this, this war went actually from 1754 to 1763. In the uh, second year of the war, in 1755, commander in chief of the British Army in America, General Edward Braddock, <clears throat> uh, led a massive offensive uh, into the Ohio country. Uh, first to take the French stronghold Fort Duquesne, which is where Pittsburgh is now. Um, and uh, and then he planned to continue north and just route out the French everywhere and go all the way to Fort Niagara, which is up by uh, in where Buffalo is. Uh, Braddock had a force of 2,100 men. Uh, he had 1,400 British regulars and 700 provincial troops, which were soldiers from the from the uh, colonies. Um, his force was uh, very well supplied and well-armed, uh, including uh, heavy artillery. Uh, Braddock's army marched 110 miles uh, from Cumberland, Maryland, which to just south of where Fort Duquesne was, which is about 10 miles south of Pittsburgh. Um, uh, he, all, he had to cross the uh, densely forested Allegheny Mountains. Uh, and as he went, he built a road. It's called Braddock's Road. Pieces of it still around. Uh, they went. They built this road as they went along, and the main reason was so they could be easily resupplied from the. Uh, this expedition became known as uh, Braddock's March. Uh, helping to guide Braddock was a, uh, a colonel of the Virginia Regiment, George Washington. George uh, knew the territory because he fought in the very first battle of the war which took place in that area. Uh, George had led an expedition there uh, uh, originally to just speak with the French. That didn't go so well. Um, and so there, George realized that uh, he was like deep in what was essentially enemy territory, a very dangerous place. And so he said, and I'm, I'm making this up, but he said, we need a fort. <laughs> so they they quickly built a fort, and they called it Fort Necessity. 
Um, so ultimately, there was a battle there, and ultimately, George felt that he needed to surrender. However, he was uh, he negotiated terms whereby his troops gave up their weapons and then were allowed to march back to Virginia. And uh, so uh, that, that was pretty good. Uh, all right, so now back to Braddock's march. Uh, George was an uh, aide de camp to Braddock. Uh, he advised him about many things. He suggested, for instance, that uh, the army be divided in two, uh, have a flying column, he called it, up front, 1,300 uh, soldiers, lightly burdened, uh, heavily armed, who could respond quickly to any threats that arose, and then a support column behind them with 800 men who carried most of the baggage for the wagons or all that. Uh, George also advised Braddock that the French and Indians did not fight in the usual style of the time, which is called the open field style. That is where two armies face off against each other and just shoot at each other. Uh, uh, George uh, told him that the French and Indians tended to ambush you and shoot from cover in the woods, essentially guerrilla warfare. Braddock dismissed George's advice. He said that his men were going to fight like gentlemen. Okay. Um, so a little aside, you think that being a colonel, George was learned in the arts of war? Uh, well, no. Um, you see, in those days, if you were from a wealthy family, you were appointed to be an officer. All right. Uh, George had been appointed as a major uh, in the Virginia Regiment by Governor Robert Dinwiddie. And he had experienced exactly one action, <coughs> the disastrous Battle of Fort Necessity. It wasn't his fault, by the way. Um, anyway, after, the, after uh, that uh, disaster, he was promoted a colonel, apparently uh, for his skill in negotiating surrender terms. Uh, and his actual training, his only training, was as a surveyor. And that's why he was with Bragg, uh, to be a surveyor. And it's handy to have a surveyor around if you're building a road. Now, this is the important thing to understand. George, George Washington was 23 years old at the time, 23. Think about that. Um, all right, on July uh, 9th, 1755, uh, Braddock's uh, flying column was surprised by French and Indian forces. Long story short, they got routed. Um, uh, estimates vary, but according to George Washington's own estimate, uh, there were only 300 or so French and Indian fighters against 2,100 British. Uh, but the British were getting slaughtered. Let's let's go to the videotape here. Uh, Braddock's <laughs> uh, uh, Braddock's 456 of Braddock's uh, soldiers were killed. 422 were wounded. Braddock had 86 officers. 63 of them were killed or wounded. Okay, Braddock had 50 women in the supply column who were served as cooks and maids. 46 of them were killed. Wow. Four survived. All right. Braddock himself was killed. Now let's look at the French casualties. The French had eight. Eight killed and four wounded. The Indians, that's 
suffered 15 killed, the Allies of the French, 15 killed and 12 wounded. Uh, it was a bad day for the British. Um, could have been much worse. Uh, <clears throat> in the midst of this chaos, with people being shot and dying all around it, uh, George Washington uh, started shouting orders. And uh, he had no official position in the chain of command. He was a surveyor. He was not there to be a surveyor. He was not a military commander. However, he uh, uh, loudly imposed an order, organized on the fly, a rear guard. And uh, he and his cobbled together rear guard held the enemy at bay while the remnants of the army could disengage and escape. Uh, and then Washington backed off and they got away, the remnants of the army. Uh, that battle became known as the Battle of the Monongahela. The Monongahela is a river, uh, or simply more often called Braddock's Defeat. Um, George Washington um, became known as the hero of the Monongahela. Uh, now, he saved a lot of lives that day. Um, among the notables that uh, survived because of him uh, was uh, uh, one Daniel Morgan, who turned out to be a key military leader and a great tactician during the Revolutionary War. Um, later, he was promoted to Brigadier General. Uh, it was Charles Scott, who later became the fourth governor of uh, Kentucky. And uh, uh, William Crawford, another key military commander during the Revolutionary War. And Daniel Boone. Go <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, figure. <laughs> so it's no it's no exaggeration to say that George Washington's heroic actions that day had a uh, profound effect on the course of history. All right, enough story. Back to me. <laughs> I've been writing comics uh, for 58 years. That's 81.7% of my life for you statisticians. Um, anyway, I can think of no uh, acts of her heroism in comics or in fiction in general, for that matter, uh, greater than what George uh, did for real. Uh, you know, I mean, think about this 23 year old kid, his only power was survey, right? Uh, he faced a monumental, horrifying, life or death uh, uh, a challenge, and he rose to the challenge and saved the day. Uh, all right, I, I, I like stories like that. All you comic book guys out here, you like stories like that too, okay? That's why we're here. Um, uh, but so from our point of view, comic book point, people's point of view, George Washington was our kind of hero. Okay, and I think for everyone, it was our kind of guy. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thanks so much. Um, you know, and I just to, to um, second what you just said, you know, George Washington was always called the modern day Cincinnatus because 
he was presented with absolute power and turned it down, much like the Roman general Cincinnatus. Um, and when you think about it, what does every comic book villain want? <laughs> absolute power. <laughs> and George turned it down. Mr. Washington, that's President Washington. That's why we love him. Um, so guys, we are about to, um, I think we're almost done with the, the speaking segment here. I wanted to remind everyone that uh, two people I forgot to thank, Edward Murr, who is here doing our caricatures. It will be still doing that until eight o'clock. You can wear a tri-corner hat and have your picture drawn. Yes, you have to, that says. Also, we have Demetrius Angelo here who is, oh, will be over in this corner. Demetrius is the brilliant mind that has put together our virtual gallery. Um, to support the museum. I also point out this is the first time that we have had a virtual gallery at Francis Tavern Museum, so we are very excited about it. So please experience that, see the demo. Uh, you, can, you can explore further on your own time through the museum website. And the other thing I wanted to say is that we do have a silent auction going on in the back of the room. Uh, I would love everyone to go back there and bid on something, take home a memento from tonight, support the museum. And then also we do have our gift shop open tonight and we do have mugs, drawstring bags, and t-shirts right now. Uh, so guys, we will be continuing this opening until eight. Um, a little before eight, anyone that is staying for the VIP dinner, uh, we'll start directing you where we're going for that. And, uh, and um, then you're going to have to do some trivia during dinner. <laughs> so you better like read all the signs out there because that's part of it. <laughs> uh, thank you guys. Thanks so much for having